Welcome into the Thunder Basketball Universe presented by Coop Aleworks. We're recording this on Thursday, April 20th, which means Sam Presti, the general manager of the Oklahoma City Thunder, just gave his end of season press conference. We've already heard from the players and their end of season interviews and the Thunder's 15th season of basketball has officially come to a close here in Oklahoma City. And so to reflect on all of that, everything over the past really week and a half, we brought in our good friend, Royce Young to just kind of help you recap and digest, debrief a little bit about kind of the whirlwind that has happened over these past the seven, eight days for the Thunder, starting with an incredible run in the postseason for OKC. Two games in a play-in tournament played against the New Orleans Pelicans and the Minnesota Timberwolves for the youngest team in the NBA. This is just incredible experience. Yeah, you think about the days leading up to those games as well of being sort of these pressure-packed environments mm -hmm. that this young Thunder team had not been a part of yet. And so to have kind of the capper and a bit of reward for this team and the effort that they put in all season long to have those two additional experiences that are these do-or-die situations. And of course, you go into New Orleans and you win that game in pretty dramatic fashion. And and then you you get the taste of the other end of that you know, game seven like feel where you really just didn't have it uh, up in Minnesota. I think those two experiences, in addition to the couple weeks prior to that, where they're playing in some of these, you know, must win games in order to make the postseason, extremely valuable in the long run. That's where my mind was going with that too, Nick, is that um, not to tease Sam Presti's uh, availability, yeah. but we're going to talk <laughs> we're about probably that. probably going to do that a lot. <laughs> but, but that is something he mentioned as well, is that, you know, you can't overstate or overlook um, the experience that you gain in the month or even whenever you started to realize and you started kind of taking a little bit of a side-eye look over at the standings and saying, hey, I think the Thunder are kind of in this thing. Those games began to, to matter every single night where you felt the energy behind it, whether it was on the road or, or home crowd, some of the anxiety that you feel of kind of knowing like we kind of need to win this game. And you can't replicate those sorts right. of things. That That is invaluable experience that you develop. And then it all builds up to when you play in a actual postseason game. And whereas, you know, home game that matters in March, there's nothing similar. You guys were there. The intensity cranks up. Everybody's wearing the shirts. The crowd is cheering for every single basket that's made, booing every single foul call. The physicality ramps up. And that sort of stuff, you really can't, pay for that in any way in the NBA. You can't buy it. So uh, the Thunder, like you said, Nick, they got kind of both ends of the spectrum on that. And, um, you know, it. there's so much to learn from. But what's interesting about the just the play-in setup is that, you know, in a lot of cases, we've seen a like a Thunder team go in and, and lose a game by 20 in a postseason game. And then say, like, all right, let's turn the page. You go to game two, make some adjustments, correct some issues, right. and then Every they'll bounce Spurs back. series ever. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. It's like, man, it's just such a shame that there's not a game two against the Timberwolves because right. the Thunder didn't have their fastball. They did not play their best game. Mm -hmm. And that, that game snowballed in a lot of different ways against them. And it, to be able to to bounce back and play it again would have been really fun, but that's just the nature of that play in, and uh, you know it, it can be really harsh the way that your season ends like that. But the fact of the matter is, there are teams in the Thunder's peer group that would be desperately dying for mm -hmm. the, just to even have those experiences, and and the the idea that this Thunder team doesn't have to wait another year to start having 
getting those experiences and and for sure they've got to start over from from uh you know the the blank slate next season but to be able to get that this year and not have to wait another year or wait longer Mm -hmm. down the line in this path to get that taste is really really valuable when you think about where maybe some of the other teams in their same age range are and and also i point this out like the preparation element of it whether you know it was spending multiple days preparing for the new orleans pelicans but Mm -hmm. you're scouting them you're going deep into a team whereas you don't normally do that in the regular season you have you know, players on your roster that are mimicking their players and you're, you're really diving into it. And of course it was, it's unusual to then have to turn the page and play a new team all over again, but just that experience of trying to really hyper focus on a game. Um, and in some ways I think that, you know, not to put a, like a, you know, thunder colored glasses on this, but in some ways the way that that, that outcome happened with the Timberwolves, it can almost inspire you over the off season yeah. to say like, look, look, look at what happened for us. And we do need to, you know, take that experience and learn from it and feel what that felt like to not have our fastball in a, in a game that we really needed to win. And you build upon that. Of course you would have rather played better. Of course you would have rather won the game, but there's so much that you can learn from it on both ends of the spectrum to assess how did that game get away from us? What do we need to do different in the future? You mentioned that Paris this is the youngest team in the NBA. I don't care that the broadcast kept saying second youngest. They, they had that that's, wrong. That's, they were getting confused with the second youngest in, in NBA, NBA history. history. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's just semantics, yeah. but like, you know, it is annoying when, when we should have just gone explains, over to the TV booth oh my gosh. and said, uh, excuse me, <laughs> we, we can help you out here. Well, this yes. explains yeah. a lot. Just, okay, so I have to bring up this personal anecdote. So I was talking to my mom yesterday and she was like, yeah, the, the Thunder's the second youngest team in the no. NBA, right? And I was like, where did you get that? For I have been telling you all year long this is the youngest team, but she must have been listening to the broadcast and it just got... And also like teams can kind of cook the books on that sort thing not i don't know that this is what happened but like like a team signs a player to a 10 day that happens to be 20 years old and it like lowers it to something <laughs> it i mean the average just I mean, enough I, I don't even know what happened i think that it was like you know the thunder or the rockets are like were like very neck and neck in terms of mm-hmm. the youngest teams but that was irritating me <laughs> just like, a little bit grating repeated just that over and over bit. again but it, and it was it was something that coach dagnall mentioned after the mm-hmm. game what we heard from every single player you could just tell this group was very, very proud, right? There, there was clearly disappointment after that Timberwolves game. They obviously wanted to win the game. They were playing really hard. They had gotten themselves in this position. They wanted to keep going. However, they recognized how far they had come since, since the, the Thunder opened up the season against the Minnesota yeah. Timberwolves. And if you contrast those two it's box scores, I mean, that's a completely different team. And the Thunder itself, the youngest team in the NBA, had taken so many strides to get to where they were in that postseason opportunity. And Coach Dagnall, like like you're mentioning, he was saying the contrasting experiences between having a full 48-minute effort, really, like from start to finish against the New Orleans Pelicans and what that in turn gave you as a result compared to this game against the Timberwolves, which is a completely different team, obviously a lot more size, but against the Timberwolves who are bigger, but you didn't throw your fast pitch. Those are really two, two games that you can look at contrast and have very relevant experiences that you can carry forward into Mm -hmm. the off season. And I, I like what you're saying, Paris, about comparing the box score from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. And the fact that the Thunder players were able, even after that competitive event, to reflect on what they had done over the course of the season. That's a a sign of maturity that they're not so locked in to what, you know, is in reactive to what's happening on one night, but able to see the bigger picture of the season. And to your point, if you look at the box score from that second play-in game, there's four guys, Isaiah Joe, Jay Will, Aaron Wiggins, and Lindy Waters III, 
that were it got heavy rotation minutes. Those four guys didn't even see the floor at the beginning of yep. the season. And it just goes to show kind of the power of, of exploration and what we all talked about at the beginning of the year of how many different lineups this team was playing and mm-hmm. you know the fact that they played 30 different starting lineups and 13 guys some nights. All of that it is the process of discovery that leads to a point where those guys are even able to contribute at that late stage of the year. And I'd also say like, you know, we all got kind of hyper-focused on what was going on the last month and a half two months of the season. But like you said, Nick, like when you, this is kind of the benefit of the off season is you can zoom out and you, you can now start to kind of assess the whole thing in totality and look at those pockets of games in December when the Thunder played, didn't play very well. And then when they played better in January and you can just kind of get a, a better overall look at what kind of went on throughout the whole year, rather than just fixating on the last three weeks, which was kind of right. felt like this sprint to the finish and then getting in the play in. And a lot of people are kind of evaluating the thunder on the, that, but when you really kind of see like this whole narrative arc that kind of happened throughout the year with the ups and downs of the 82 game schedule, what you learned, what you experienced, how individual players got better, how individual players emerged that you maybe didn't expect them to. And also just kind of, you know, for, for somebody that is a thunder fan, just to think back of like how they felt and what, their, you know, their outlook for the team was in October versus what you feel about them right now is probably a lot different. Yep. Players that you didn't even know who they were now feel like these really important pieces to the to the Thunder's future. And that just it, it's just a good example of as you go along through it, it's hard not to react. It's hard not to get caught up in the moments, especially as the tension cranks up. But you do have to kind of try to keep this perspective as best you can, because once you get to the offseason, you can kind of see it a little bit better for what it is. Yeah, we talked about all of that and heard about all of that in the players' end-of-season press conference, and we learned a lot from between that and Sam Presti's media veil, so don't go anywhere because we are breaking down everything you need to know from those interviews. Coop Works is the proud sponsor of Thunder Basketball Universe. Brewers of the fan favorites F5 IPA and 99-calorie Ice Chest IPA. You'll find those and many more Coop beers at retailers across Oklahoma. Learn more at CoopLWorks.com. At the end of every season, the very next day after that regular, that final regular season game or final game of the season, every single player on the Thunder roster comes and sits down at the podium one by one and the media gets to talk to them. And all three of us were in the practice facility this day, this end of season interview day, but we were, I didn't see Nick at all. No, I didn't see no. Nick. I didn't see Royce. Ships <laughs> <Like, laughs> passing in the night. Then. But yeah. we were all yeah. there from probably what? 9am to four or something like that. It was, a, long that. It yeah, was, it was yeah. a long day. Yeah. You pack snacks, you, pra- yeah. <laughs> you pack, yeah. pack some drinks to, to, to make sure that you stay sustained. But yeah, th- it was really interesting. I was in the pre- the main press conference room with all the players getting a chance to talk to them. Where, where were you? I was in this little side room that we've got. We have it like a little, Black backdrop that we have um, so that we can get these nice uh, shots of these guys and get some answers that we need for feature stories that we're going to do throughout the course of the summer. Got to talk to Lou Dort about some of his defensive stance. Um, got to talk to Aaron and uh, Trey about their buddy-buddy friendship. I'm not going to reveal everything that we yeah, got sure. here, but we've got some, but we got some good <laughs> stuff that, for some things that we can uh, hopefully roll out over the course of the summer. Yeah, and, and it was fun because, uh, you know, 
as the season ends, you know, a lot of players, it's kind of a little more casual, especially your conversations. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've gotten to know the players uh, really well over the last couple of years, but then you just kind of hang out. I was just kind of hanging out with them on the court, kind of sort of, I guess I was like the hype guy, getting them ready to go yeah. in to talk to you. Paris, <laughs> because you. Get, getting them in like the right frame of mind, getting them fired up, convincing them that media is good. Yeah, <laughs> You know, these, it's going to be fun. You're going to love this. Such a, <laughs> is, that, is that like what you have to tell your kids before like the dentist? Yeah. yeah. I promise you, this is fun. You yeah. want to do this. Yeah. This is going to be really, really good. Yeah. So that was kind of, that's what I, it wasn't like my, wasn't what I was expecting. It's kind of what I ended up doing because each player would kind of come by and you'd just be like, oh, J-Dub's over here. And, you know, he's a, he's a really sweet guy, really fun to talk to. And you just kind of end up in a conversation yeah. and you're talking about Marvel movies with them and what he wants to see this summer. And then like. <laughs> he told us he wants to see Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah, that's that right. was we were, a breaking we're piece both of hyped, We're both hyped for that one. We were, <laughs> we were talking about that. We were discussing how, I don't know what phase of Marvel movies are they even in right now. Is this like phase four? I don't even know. You're asking I'm, the wrong yeah, two. We were, we were discussing whether or not Marvel was still like, you know, still had their fastball. Right? Oh, like, yeah. You know, kind of felt, kinda felt like it, it has dropped off since Endgame, but you know, I don't know. <laughs> That was my take, at least. The, the way that this conversation has turned is exactly how wide-ranging these interviews <laughs> yeah. are, truly. In every interview, it ranges from what you're doing in the off-season, a.k.a. what movies will you be watching, to where do you feel like you grew the most this season? And for every player, every answer is different. But there's one through line which with every single player, and every single player was asked this question in some capacity, which was, what did you think of how much fun was it to yeah. play this season with this team mm -hmm. in particular? Just trying to get at the idea of what we saw on the floor this season was a really tight-knit group. And from everybody, we've heard, yeah, it feels like a college team. feels like a high school team. feels like I'm playing with my brothers. And every single player had something to say about just how fun it was to play with this group in particular. And the fact that they're such a young team played a big role in that. Yeah, and the camaraderie is not something to be taken for granted. It's also not something that's guaranteed each season. I mean, even heading into next year, the guys are going to be different. They're going to have changed, grown, evolved. There's going to be new personalities and players mm -hmm. coming into the mix. And so when you have it, just enjoy it. And you can always find ways to get back to it. I think that's something that the Thunder has proved over the course of time that each team's personality can kind of take on a life mm -hmm. of its own. And if they're intentional about it, they can really cultivate uh, a pretty powerful environment for the group. It's very true, Nick, because, you know, what happens in the summer for a lot of players, some stay here, some go their own ways. You know, they all kind of have an off-season plan kind of curated for them. And of course, they, they really dive into that sort of thing. But like things change a little bit. They mm -hmm. focus on elements of their game uh, and they, you know, repackage it and bring it back into training camp. And then it's all about kind of reassembling this and seeing how that sort of changes. And that's again, spoiler alert, something Sam Presti talked about <laughs> at his uh, end of the season availability, but you know, you want a roster that can kind of absorb those changes. And that's what the Thunder did all season long really well with even you know, three lottery picks, even though one of them didn't play in Chet Holmgren, but you have these young players that you're able to add to a mm -hmm. team and it's still, you can amplify players and that's always really interesting. And now that's what a lot of them talked about is while they want to make individual improvements to their own games. I think what's really kind of interesting about this group, especially for a young team, is that they view those improvements within the context of the team. I thought that Shea had a really fascinating answer when he was kind of talking about um, you know, his individual accolades and how as a younger player, and this is, I mean, Shea's still an extremely young player, under 25 years yeah, old, 24. but like as a younger player that even <laughs> that he was, um, that he didn't quite fully grasp that like the team success, not just in terms of getting at attention on you in terms of team success, but like the team playing better as a whole amplifies you personally. Right. Yeah. And that's something that he was able to really kind of understand at a higher level this season. 
And I think that's where a lot of the younger players are going to experience that themselves going through this summer and then leading into next year. And maybe it doesn't take them, what was this, Shea's fifth season? Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it doesn't take them five years to, to get to that point because Shea's obviously been a super high-level player, right. but that's something that really kind of clicked for him. It sounded like this season. I thought that was really interesting. An anecdote I just wanted to share, which was back to this kind of comment about culture and, mm -hmm. and how much fun it was to play for this team. In our room, off to the side, I asked each of the players what their favorite player moment was throughout the course of the season. And you know, I kind of anticipated a lot of J-Dub's buzzer beater, Shea's buzzer beater, or you know, Lou's great defensive stop. And we certainly got some of those answers. But the most common answer that I got was Trey Mann's dunk in game 82 yeah. against the Memphis yeah, Grizzlies. Yeah, yeah. It's really and, telling, and, honestly. And, and everybody, you know, pouring water on him at the end of the game. And and it's exactly right, Royce. Like it was very telling of this group than in a game where the Thunder didn't have anything to play for on the on the scoreboard. And these guys that were out there on the floor had been the ones that were cheering on the mm -hmm. starters and the main rotation guys all season long. That the those roles got to be inverted for a night. And they were so excited to see a guy like Trey thrive in that opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just thought that was really special and indicative of kind of the prompt that you put forward, Paris. Yeah, and it's such a mature group and it showed up in really every aspect of the game, whether it's the poise that they showed down the stretch of some really close games, the composure they showed playing in a really hostile environment in the play-in tournament. And one person that got a lot of credit for this for good reason is Thunderhead coach Mark Dagnall, who was not present for end of season <laughs> interviews. We didn't get to talk to him, but it was for a good reason because the Thunder announced that Mark Dagnall and his wife, Ashley, welcomed a baby girl into the world the very same day as those end-of-season interviews. And so the Dagnall family uh, just grew by one. Um, but yeah, he was not present for those end-of-season no. interviews. Which, so congratulations, Mark and Ashley. <laughs> which congrats to Mark and Ashley for sure. But I want to clarify that the baby was born in Texas, but is not a Texan, all right? Oh, yeah, all right. You need yes, to yeah. be clear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley is a assistant coach with the OU women's gymnastics team, and they were there for the national championships. Which obviously. they won. Right. which they won six titles in nine years. Amazing. Big time. Unbelievable amazing. dynasty yeah. that they have. Um, but <laughs> amazingly, her, she, she went into labor and had to have the baby <laughs> in, in Fort Worth. Um, and by the way, we landed in OKC at like two o'clock in the yeah. morning or something am, like that. I really yeah. want to know yeah. how this unfolded. Coach Mark was on the road at 5 a.m. <laughs> yeah. driving, furiously driving to Fort Worth to be there in time, which he was. Oh my was. gosh. Yeah. that we were We were all like, Ooh, we're not going to talk to the coach, but okay. Yeah. There's I was looking reason. at my watch. Like, <laughs> like yeah. what's happening? Yeah. yeah. We got pushed back a little yeah. bit. We were yeah. like, I guess he's not going to yeah. make it. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a big piece of breaking news coming out of end of season interviews. And if we're on the topic of coach Dagnall, I mean, we have to continue this because yeah. he obviously played a huge role mm -hmm. in, in how the thunder has been able to just cultivate this environment and this culture, this, this mentality of, poise and composure. And he finished this year second overall in coach of the year, um, votes, which again, very well mm -hmm. deserved. And every single player just had raving reviews about coach and his ability to just kind of rally the troops. I think what Josh Giddy said, if I could build a coach, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what he said, which is pretty high praise. Um, but I mean, it is true. And you just talk about like the, the youth and the development of the team, like Mark Degnall has been, uh, you know, he's a young coach still by NBA coach standards. He's 38, I believe. And 
he is just himself developed over time. He's found his voice with the players. He's found a way to connect with the players while also simultaneously being pretty hard on them and, and holding them accountable. You know, Coach Mark is somebody that is not afraid to tell you when you mess up. And, uh, but he's also kind of got that like fatherly figure where you, you know that he's on your side. And I think that he, he really kind of finds an incredible balance with that. And clearly, Paris, like you're saying, it's resonated with the players, the way that they all talk about Coach Mark. Um, is pretty unusual and they feel a, a really, really strong connection. And you, you talk about, you know, where that kind of culture and environment is cultivated from. Obviously, obviously it comes from the top to the bottom, but you know, with the coaching staff, they're interacting with these guys every single day and really fostering that mentality, Nick, like you're talking about with Trey Mann um, and that dunk. And I, I, and I think that that's just something that just kind of can't be overlooked. And I think Thunder fans should be really proud of the fact that they have uh, a coaching staff that, that really kind of embodies that type of mentality. And to a large degree, these players' careers, their lives are in the hands of Mark Degnold in this coaching mm -hmm. staff. By the way, this coaching staff has all grown and developed within the Thunder organization, mm -hmm. just like these players have been brought in as well. And so players, when they feel like their life, their career is in somebody else's hands, they want somebody who has a clear vision, is committed to that vision, not just for other people, but for themselves as well, and isn't floating in the wind based on you know, whether things are going well, whether things are going badly, and is clear about the fact that there's going to be a challenge laid out in front of these guys. It's not a situation where guys are just being catered to left and right. We hear so much, you know, is he a player's coach or not? Well, a player's coach is the one who tries to get the most out of their players right. and not, you know, cuddle them. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And for there's a there's a certain subset of of players who really benefited from this and I think it's the rookies in particular okay. guys like Jalen Williams Jalen Williams Usman Chang and and Chet Holmgren as well who obviously missed the entire season but we talked to Jada at the end of this season and the one thing that he said was I feel like the season went by so fast mm -hmm. for all of these guys it was the most games that they'd ever played in a single season in their entire careers and they all walked away better obviously having grown from it but they learned so much and I, I i just always find it interesting to hear from the rookies after the end of their first season just obviously we got a chance to talk to them at the start of the year and now at the end just their body of work and then what they think and and just how they're how they digest everything at the end of the year is always interesting yeah i i would and i would add to that paris like when you think about um just like the way that this group has kind of evolved over time and when you you think kind of when this new process with the Thunder started basically two seasons ago um, and the young players that were on that team. And then they've had experiences that kind of built up to this season and they've mm -hmm. kind of had their own personal jumps or breakthroughs or whatever that is. And where the, the, the current young players, rookies like J-Dub and J-Will and even Chet, even though he didn't play, like they've had those experiences now that are going to kind of stack and compound and like whether that was the play-in or the meaningful games down the stretch or whatever that is, just kind of getting integrated into the NBA atmosphere. Like, those add up to, to other things. And while I think everybody should be incredibly encouraged with how some of the rookies played this year, like they're just getting started. Oh, and, yeah. and like, I, I think about a guy like Josh Giddy in his second season, he's a 20 year old player, extremely young. Um, but like, he didn't get off to a great start this year. And I think a lot of Thunder fans were kind of like looking at Josh Giddy and there, I saw a lot of chatter about him on social media and I don't think people are really feeling that way about Josh Giddy anymore. They, they saw a player that had to figure some things out, had to readjust. He was on scouting reports now. Teams kind of knew about his no-look passing and his inbound passing and all these kind of elements about his game. And they made adjustments to him and he had to figure out ways to impact the game in a new way. So like that same sort of thing is going to happen to J-Dub next year. Like J-Dub's not sneaking up on 
on anybody now. He's on every scouting report. People know what kind of player he is. People know that Jay Will can step out at the three-point line and shoot 40% from three. They know he's going to take charges. So you can't sneak up on people anymore. And so you've got to kind of take those experiences. Mm-hmm. You you had a great year, but now you stack them, you, you learn from them, and you grow into the next year. And guess what? Those things happen to Shea from time to time this great year. Point. This is a guy that's put together an all-NBA season, and they were – now, shorter periods of times, halves of games or quarters of games or two games in a row that Shea needed to figure out some things and, and readjust and recalibrate. And, and so that's going to be the case for a guy like Josh Giddy again in year mm-hmm. three as well. And it's a matter of continuing to adapt. And for a guy like Josh, as you're talking about, like the physicality that he displayed heading into the paint this year in comparison to his rookie year, much, much higher. Going to need to be even yeah, higher be better. In, in year Absolutely. three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, before we move on to, to Sam's end-of-season press conference highlights, there's there's just a couple more things with players. There are off-season plans. So we heard from Shea, Lou, Josh Giddy, and Sam hinted at it today when it comes to Alexei Pokashevsky. They all mentioned and hinted at the idea that they intend on playing this summer for their national teams um, during the FIBA World Cup. So we'll keep you updated on all that stuff throughout the off-season, as well as any summer league plans that get laid out. Should we talk about the highlights from Sam's press conference today. Sounds good. There, there are a lot of them. <laughs> it's another, yeah, it was ready. another marathon today. We're going to go line by line. <laughs> Starting with minute one. No, um, but there, there was so much to take away from this, as it always is when it comes to Sam's press conferences. And the biggest thing that I wanted to start with was just, obviously he mentioned the growth and the improvement that this team showed this year, but it was the, the how and not the what that he was focused mm-hmm. on, and particularly when it came to how the players were able to develop throughout this season. Yeah, which was really interesting. And I'll say this about Sam's end of the season availability too. Like, it's one of those things where it, it, it can it can be long, no doubt about it. I mean, you guys are sitting in there for it. But at the same time, like, if you're paying attention and you can also refer back to it, it's kind of like there are a lot of answers to the test kind of just yeah. presented to you right yeah. there. And if you really want to know as a, as a fan, like, what's my organization thinking? What's my team thinking? What are they planning to do? I want to know, like – it's kind of right there laid out for you. Like Sam is really transparent and really honest about a lot of different things in, in the way that the organization is thinking, feeling, all those sorts of things. So like, you know, I, it, it, in some ways it's a lot of you guys' job to like distill it down to like uh, snackable things. But one of them being, um, like you said, Paris, about just the developmental aspect. One of the things Sam pointed out was that when you look at this team and how they kind of made this jump forward this year, it wasn't anything external. Like they added new players, but it was through the draft, mm-hmm. which was has always been kind of part of the plan. And that's just part of the Thunder ethos is to bring in new talent and then develop them internally. But this jump, it, it wasn't done through free agency. It wasn't done through some blockbuster trade. The Thunder made a 16-win improvement almost entirely with internal development. And and that to me is something unusual in the NBA. I think when you contrast that against other teams that made big jumps, there was something that was kind of like that that sparked it. And so it it really goes to show that whether it's just the young players themselves getting better or it's a more veteran player like Shea Gilgis-Alexander taking a big step forward in his own personal career, um, whether it's the coaching staff uh, doing better, whatever it is, it's it's a hard thing to do to take that step forward um, and, and do it internally. And the Thunder were able to do that sort of thing. And what I don't think what I think fans have to understand is that it wasn't just this season that did right. it. And that's something Sam talked about uh, early on in his press conference is that you can honestly go back to two seasons ago when nobody was really watching the 2020-2021 season. So many of those 
foundational elements were kind of laid during that year. And so a lot of times it can be those invisible moments where it's hard to see where those breakthroughs are coming from, but you kind of set the stage for it. And then you get something like this season where you do see that leap forward. Well, and to pick up on this, as you're saying, you know, the answers are to the, to the test are in the press conferences. They're also in the previous press conferences, mm-hmm. right? So the things Good that point. Sam Presti was talking about in 2020 about play style and ball movement. I mean, those are things that we're seeing come to fruition now and sort of the the lead to my story that you'll be able to see on okcthunder.com by the time this podcast is up about Sam's press conference really leans into what Sam said at the beginning of this year, which he then brought up again at the end of season press conference. There were really five things that can put limitations on a young team. And that's personal ambition, uh, internal communication, and kind of an amplica- amplification of outside voices, lack of physicality, and then an overreaction to the fits and starts of an 82 game NBA season. And basically what Sam said is that the Thunder, while certainly has some strides to go in some of these areas like physicality, they did an amazing job mm-hmm. of prioritizing what needed to be prioritizing and not in, in intentionally not allowing those five factors that can really inhibit young teams to become an issue. And and so I think on a more meta level, as opposed to, you know, some of the the details of like you know, how J-Dub was able to perform better in small ball lineups. That was the biggest takeaway that I had of how this team was able to navigate a a long 82-game season being as young as it was and come away with 40 wins and two play-in games. And and I wanted to go back to something you said, Nick, which is a great point of looking back to previous press conferences and shameless plug to the path here. But um, <laughs> we, we I mentioned this in, in uh, the one about the assists with uh, against the Pacers where the Thunder set the assist record. And it was something Sam had said in last season's end-of-season availability where he talked about this third quarter in Dallas mm-hmm. where the team really felt like that they had found a rhythm and they were playing both sides of the ball. And like if you just watch that answer in a vacuum, it's like he explained the beautiful offense that we saw coming Mm -hmm, this year Mm -hmm. of the way that the team was playing less pattern, more rhythm, and just, and just kind of the concept of like how you try to capture that in a moment. And, uh, you know, I think that there's so many things like while you can react and, and digest a press conference today, I do think it's a great point that sometimes these things are so much more interesting to look back on a year from now, because it's like setting the table for, for what's to come. So like you project it out to next season and Sam talked a lot about um, what's maybe ahead for this group, but like you think about how progression is not linear and you do have to start z- your, your record starts zero and zero. You've got to integrate new things. So just like keep that in mind as you watch next year and you're going, what's going on on the court. I don't understand. You, a lot of this was anticipated right. in a lot mm-hmm. of ways and, and you can almost go back to it and say, Oh, I get it. And then also reflect back like, Oh, I think that they know what they're doing because he, he told me this last year and it all worked out as it, as the season went along. So like on November 10th, if, if things don't look the way that you expect them to go back, pull out the press conference and just saying to read the whole thing, <laughs> but, but you can find something that might self-assure you a little bit. Uh, another through line that is in pretty much every Sam Presti press conference is some music reference. Yeah. And, and I thought the one that was uh, really important today was he talked about this team, you know, playing a little bit ahead of the beat. And I, I think what he meant by that was like some of the results on the scoreboard were probably ahead of where a group this young mm-hmm. with no, this much no experience yeah. would, would normally tr- project to be again, being able to zoom out and have the wisdom to, to recognize this whole thing in a, in a longer view. He 
mentioned that there are going to be times where this team plays behind the beat. And there were times this season where they played behind the beat, some losing streaks and mm-hmm. some stretches of the season, including towards the end of the year, where they yeah. just did not quite look like the same team. That is going to happen next year. It's going to happen in the years after that as well, that there are going to be some stretches where that's the case. And just like it's okay that this team was a little bit ahead of the beat this year, it's going to be okay that the team is a little bit behind the beat at times too. That's all a part of this kind of mountain climb that Sam has mm-hmm. talked about. It's all about making sure that they're able to navigate those headwinds that you mentioned, right. those five things that typically sort of kind of cause resistance to young young teams to be able to grow. And throughout this season, he mentioned that the players really learned how long an 82 game season really is. They were able to navigate kind of the emotional and physical and mental toll that it takes on a player. And so there were a lot of lessons learned there. And the other thing that that's really stood out to me was just thinking about next season. And he said, everybody in the organization, players included understand there is still a lot of work to do. We were, we were really, really, we did well this season. We showed a lot of growth. We showed a lot of improvement, but Next season, it's back to zero and zero, essentially mm-hmm. back to ground zero. And there's still a lot of work to do for this. And also game. like the Thunder are not sneaking up on anybody next yeah, year. Right. You know, like there's, you know, I think a lot of people did have some assumptions about the Thunder this year, or the way that they maybe mm-hmm. perceive the team when you are the youngest team in the NBA. Uh, they had to burn those. Though. Yeah. You have to burn that yeah. and you have to save those. Um but like you're not going to get that same luxury going into next year. When when Oklahoma City rolls into an arena next year, people are going to know, oh, that number two is really really good, mm-hmm. and he might, and then you know number five is going to lock up our guy. I mean, all these types of things are now kind of like uh, off the table for the Thunder. So you know you do have to kind of almost reinvent yourself in a lot of ways. And then of course you know the Thunder will have uh, additions within that. And, and, you know, some of those things that they learned this year, you've almost got to unlearn them, whether it was discovering some really positive small ball lineups that really worked really well. Well, now you got to kind of unlearn those and find out how the new mixture of the team works within that context. When you add a player like Chet Holmgren into the, into this. So it's all a process that has to happen again, like not to like make you feel like, Oh no, what's next year going to look like. You should be extremely optimistic about the team because you saw what they are capable of. You saw uh, what kind of trusting in that process, so to speak, can can tangibly result in. But when you believe in the approach and don't um, try to accelerate it, that's when you can get these really, really good things. When you try to accelerate something, it's when you can set yourself back. And, and that's something Sam talked about today too. And there's a level of humility that comes with that. And it also comes in the form of being able to absorb more talent, right? So we're talking about Chet coming into the mix, yeah. potential another lottery pick mm-hmm. coming into the mix as well. But this Thunder group with leaders who are selfless like Shay and Lou and Josh are selfless was able to absorb a guy like J-Dub who just he's kind of like a tide just kept coming in a little mm-hmm. bit further a little bit further a little bit further and and the team um, as I said in my article was kind of like kind of like a, a, a wide sandy beach that was able to sort of absorb more and more of J-Dub yeah. over the course of the season mm-hmm. and I thought that that was a great point that Sam made but also a precursor to What's going to have to happen in the future as well? I mean, you think really long term and, and a lot of these guys are going to be required to sacrifice if you want to get to where this team and organization wants to get to. Absolutely. And it, like, you know, and this is something 
uh, that has been talked about with the, I think we might have even talked about it today, but just like the concept of an amplifier and what, mm-hmm. a, what a player like that can be. And, and it doesn't just mean that makes everybody around you better, but also just allows people around you to be better right. where you, you understand your fit and your function within a team. I mean, you know this better than us, Paris, but like, you know, some, and, and I think Sam even talked about learning this kind of from Nick Collison mm-hmm. of like right. Nick Collison understood, like, this is my function within a team. Nick Collison was a McDonald's all American. Was he a four time all American at Kansas? Yes. A three time yeah. all American. Yeah. Like, one of the greatest players in Kansas Jayhawk history. Mm-hmm. And he came into the NBA and had to understand what is my function and how am I successful in this league? And that's a, that, that sometimes takes players five years to figure out. Some, some players can figure it out early on in their careers. A guy like Josh Giddy, I think kind of has a good concept of that earlier than most players do, because he's got kind of this intangible maturity about him. That doesn't always click for every single player, but this Thunder team, I think has tried to kind of prioritize that as a mindset and that's kind of what an amplifier is, is it, it, it can allow players to flourish within the team concept without trying to make their own way and, and force the issue where they don't need to. Yeah, it, it can be problematic if you just you want to amplify yourself out there on the floor. You're worried about how you play and how you perform rather than how the team performs. And that's and a hard thing, Paris, because like for a lot of these guys, it's the first time that they're not the best guy exactly. on the team. That's what I'm thinking is that like <laughs> yeah. you're, you're you're walking into the NBA and but then again, you see like the way that the Thunder reward players with that type of mindset. Like I think of a guy like Aaron Wiggins that is such mm-hmm. an unselfish mm-hmm. team first type of yeah. player. And he just embodies what like a role player should be. And the Thunder obviously like adore that type of player and yeah. they have uh, rewarded Aaron all season long. And so like, you, you know, you think about a guy, even like Lindy waters, who uh, is kind of about like the, the, the type of like culture and mindset, the thunder really pride themselves on, which is like internally developing and, tr- and, you know, kind of doing things the hard way. And he's a guy that's on the court in a, you know, must win game at the end of the year, because those are the kind of guys that you can kind of believe in a guy like Lou Dort right. who earned a huge contract last year. So the thunder have, have kind of a, a history of like, betting on those guys. And, and I think that that's something that's pretty unusual in the NBA today. Yeah. The, the thing that Sam kind of ended off his opening statement with was we're staring down that next mountain. We see it. The second mountain, we are staring that sucker down. Yeah, is that the We've way got that's it. Way it. <laughs> staring <laughs> that sucker down. Yeah, yeah. It's in our, it's in our line view and, and we're ready for it and we're approaching it head on. And so there is so much to break down. As a matter of fact, Nick, I just want to open the floor if there's anything else that you wanted to point out because yeah. it, it, you need to go read Nick's article that'll be out on okcthunder.com because there's a lot to cover here. There's there's one kind of arc that Sam talked about and he said that, you know, basically you you have to have some good instincts as a player and as a team. And if you do, that allows you to just be in the game. And I think to that to that point mm-hmm. it's like to be in this situation where late in the season you're gaining some really uh, meaningful experiences. You got to you got to build up those experiences and if you can actually learn from them if you're a good learner then eventually that will lead to wisdom. And if you've got some wisdom and and you allow that to kind of percolate around the group, then you can have poise in the moments yeah. where okay, you got to you got to win this game for seeding against, you know, Charlotte at at home at late in the season, you got to win this game on the road to make the play like that's that's the type of poise that you need when this team is really trying to scale the top of that mountain. Mm-hmm. For everything that we all saw this year and the excitement and everything, this team is still in experience gathering state. Yep. Right. Yep. <laughs> so and so it's just it's it, it was a, a nice reminder I think to recognize the grand scope of like what's ahead for this group is that they're still trying to to accumulate these experiences. They're going to have to learn from them next. 
They're going to have to actually be able to gain some wisdom from the from that learning. And then once that really starts to coalesce and the group um, has those experiences all together, the shared scars that we've talked about for so many years here in OKC, that is when sort of that poise in those biggest moments can come in. It's a valuable perspective because the Thunder A has gotten a lot of different, very diverse experiences this season. And secondly, we sound like broken records when we say this is the youngest team in the NBA, but we mean that in the sense that this team still has so much runway ahead of them. And if you look at what they've been able to do in the last two, three years, you should be really encouraged this offseason heading into next year about what they can do next and the next steps that they'll take. So with that, please be sure to go to OKCThunder.com. I've got an article on everything that the players said in their end of season interviews. And Nick has an article on everything that you need to know from Sam Presti's media avail. So make sure that you keep it locked there. And of course, on OKCThunder.com. Now, what's on tap for this team? Well, it's the off season, so <laughs> J-Dub said he's going to sleep, and yeah. so I second that motion. I think we're all going to get some yes. rest yes. this off season, but we will keep you up to date on everything that you need to know leading into the draft, Summer League, any World Cup information, and any other updates that come up this off season. so be sure to keep it locked on the Thunder Basketball Universe podcast. Hey, Royce, thanks for joining us today. You bet. This My has pleasure. been so thanks, fun. Royce. Happy off season. So great. Happy off season. And thank you so much for watching and listening. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much to our producer, Matt Bishop. And until next time, thunder up and catch you later.